Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast, your go-to source for insights and strategies in the HVAC, plumbing, and roofing industries. I'm Corey Barrier, here to guide you through transformative approaches to business and mindset. Each episode will explore unique methods, focusing on identifying and addressing the core challenges in your field. Our goal is to equip you and your team with practical solutions that foster growth and success. So whether you're tuning in for the first time or you're a longtime listener, get ready to dive into a wealth of knowledge and expertise. Let's begin our journey to success together. This is the successful life. It's Corey Barrier. Yeah, come learn with me. Take you down the path of our journeys. This is the successful life. It's time to take what you learn. Apply it to your life. It's your turn. To live a successful life. You are tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. Three, Successful Life Podcast is a space where you can hear stories from badass entrepreneurs and influencers that collectively have millions of listeners and followers. You get to hear their backstories and where they are currently. We discuss how precious your life is and crucial it is to live with a purpose and die knowing the person looking in the mirror today. This is the successful life. Corey Barrier, yeah, come learn with me. Take you down the path of our journeys. This is the successful life. It's time to take what you learn, apply it to your life. It's your time to live a successful life. You are tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast. I am your host, Corey Barrier, and I am here with Amberly. Hey, Amberly, how are you? Hey, Corey, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to see your smiling face. Yes, thank you. So <laughs> Amberly is like, her story is going to blow you the fuck away. And, you know, so obviously you can say whatever you would like on this podcast. But so Amberly's uh, an author, a speaker, and she's a coach. She's coming out with a course called Your Unstoppable Life Masterclass. Did I say that right? You did. You nailed it. Sweet. So I have totally been looking forward to this. I really, really have. Also, she hosts a podcast that's really cool. I have to throw this in there because I actually really like it. So, oh, uh, And it's tri- uh, called True Grit and Grace. Oh, so thanks. check that podcast out. I am oh, excited. Thanks, Corey. Yes. Yeah. I'm telling you, you are so sweet. You know, <laughs> thank you. I've been looking forward to talking to you and um, I appreciate you mentioning my podcast. It's, you know, it's scary when you're starting something new and we were talking before we actually started recording and I was saying, yeah, technology, you can love it. Or, you know, a lot of times it scares the heck out of me, but I knew I wanted to, really do that podcast. And I thought, well, I'm going to just figure it out along the way. And the best part about it is I get to like connect with amazing people. That's it's so cool. And, you know, I'll just tell you this really quick story. Um, I asked a guy to be on my podcast before I started it. And I didn't really, I didn't really think he would say yes. And he did. (laughs) And so it I put me in a position to where this mic sat on my desk for three months. And so I was like, okay, I've got 10 days to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I probably put in 20 hours a day for those 10 days. Yeah, it was yeah. insane. But 
I'm so happy that I did it because it has allowed me, like you said, to connect with people and hear their stories. And it is such a delight for me. Like I love, love, love listening to people's stories. And so I'm getting ready to branch off and this is getting ready to do something totally different, which is going to be the next part of the story of my life. Um, and so we're going a little bit bigger, a lot bigger. And I love I can't it. Wait, it's super cool. So you enough know, about in me. Texas. We say go big or go home. So uh-huh, you're going that's right. big. That's right. <laughs> so Amberly, tell, tell, tell me, I want to hear all about your story and all the things that you've done and gone through and. Well, you know what? I never imagined in a million years I'd be sitting, you know, doing podcast interviews and, and never imagined I would write a book ever. I mean, I lived my you know entire life was I was a dancer and then moved to LA and was, you know, pursued my dreams as a dancer and traveled around the world dancing. And then I became a personal trainer. And so I've spent my whole life on the dance floor or the gym floor. And my whole life was about running and being active and dancing. And I had a dance, you know, background, which led me into that fitness. But, and I had trainers that worked for me. And then one day I'm in the blink of an eye, everything changed when I was hit by an SUV while riding my motorcycle home from work. And my default was to always do something that made me feel good. You know, growing up, I didn't have the easiest childhood. Most of us don't. But my default was to do something productive. And so even as I was laying in the street and I would look down at my leg and it was crumbled into pieces, my foot was only hanging on by the skin. My femoral artery was severed. So there was blood everywhere. And it's just like one of those horror movies where when an artery severed and the blood squirts out with every heartbeat, that is what it looked like. And my, one of my first thoughts was, oh, well, this can't be good. I may have trained clients on crutches for a while. It wasn't, it wasn't like, oh no, my leg or it was my, it was work. It was what, what am I going to do? How am I going to get through this? And of course I was screaming, call 911, call my husband, So let me just stop you really quick. You got hit by an SUV. Now, did you see it coming or did you, I mean, what the hell? As when you're, when you ride a motorcycle, you drive very defensively, meaning that you look on the road. It's not like when your car and you're eating lunch or God forbid texting. I mean, when you're on a bike, you have to be so alert. And I, thought the guy made eye contact with me. I saw him. He was sitting, coming out of a parking lot. And I thought, oh no, he did not see me. He punched it out of the driveway and, you know, T-boned me. I was thrown 30 feet and I was sliding across the asphalt. Thank God I had a backpack on because that saved my life. I would have been, my spine would have been ground into the asphalt. And so I had road rash on my arms, but my leg was, you know, I tried to jump off my bike, but there was nothing I could do. It happened so fast. And my leg took most of the impact and I tore that bumper right off that SUV though. You should have seen the other guy. (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty, pretty crazy. And 
honestly, I didn't even realize just how bad it was until I saw people approaching me and they weren't running over to me. Um, they were walking really slow. One lady fainted and thankfully a guy came over and I, to this day, I don't know who he is, but a guy came over and he made a tourniquet around my leg and he really saved my life because when your femoral artery is severed, you can bleed out. So he put his belt around my leg and, you know, luckily paramedics got there pretty quickly when they loaded me up on the gurney and put me on in the ambulance. I was in just so much pain. And I remember I was squeezing this paramedic's leg inside the ambulance. And I was looking at him trying to make some kind of, you know, sort of eye contact, kind of like, uh, how, how am I looking? Is this, is this right. okay? Am I going to, and they wouldn't make eye contact with me. And that scared me because I thought, does this mean I'm going to die? And so they started to prep me for an IV. And I said, well, wait a minute, what are you giving me? I said, well, we're going to give you some morphine. I said, you can't give me that. I'm allergic. They said, well, that's all we have. And then on that long road to the hospital, I thought, well, maybe anaphylactic shock would be better than this pain that I'm experiencing. Maybe I would rather be dead than experience this pain. And we got to the hospital. The whole waiting room was full of cops because my husband is a cop and the, you know, news travels fast in the brotherhood of the police force. And so it was filled with cops and my husband was, I could hear him crying and I'd never heard him cry or such a thing before. And he was going pacing back and forth and back and forth. And it was so noisy and chaotic and I'm strapped down to this gurney and I yelled across the room, honey, I need you to get over here and be strong for me. And he came over and he held my hand. And that's the last thing I remember before a nurse leaned over me and she said, we're going to give you something to make you feel all better now. And I was put in induced coma because they couldn't control. Um, I was in so much pain. My body was shutting down. My organs were shutting down. They couldn't control my blood pressure. Or I'd lost so much blood. And so I woke up a little over a week later to doctors saying, we're going to have to amputate your leg. And being a dancer and an athlete, that's like one of the worst things you can wake up to. We're going to take one of your legs. So we're going to take your livelihood. We're going to take, it was my drug of choice to run. And look, I know there are plenty of people that run with a prosthetic, but in my mind, I was like, I got to keep my leg. And the doctor said, this is basically a war wound. There's nothing we can do about this. Um, You have a 1% chance of saving it. And that was all I needed to hear was I had a 1% chance. And that gave me the hope. That's what I needed. I needed hope. And that 1% chance was my glimmer of hope. And that was what allowed me to push through and cowgirl up and get through the next 34 surgeries to save my leg from amputation. Wow. Isn't it crazy how the words that came out of one person's mouth, just the words Mm -hmm. literally gave you exactly what you needed to push through all of that 34 surgeries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, at the time I wasn't thinking I didn't have a number in my head of how many surgeries or 
I was just thinking, let me get through today and then do the best I can today to prepare for the surgery that is coming up tomorrow. And I would just take it one day at a time. And I think it's that way anyway in life, whether somebody is training for a marathon or just trying to get to the gym or it's taking that first step. It's And it's looking at it as you know, one step at a time or one mile at a time. I mean, if I would have thought in my mind, I'm going to have 34 surgeries, that number would freak me out. Just like if somebody thought in their mind, I have to lose a hundred pounds. Yeah. They wouldn't be able to do it. They'd be, Oh, that's too much. I can't do that. But if you think about one day at a time, one step at a time and what you need to do, what is your action plan for that day to be the best that you can do that will move you closer to your goal or your dream, then anything is possible as long as we have a little bit of hope. And that's what I needed. I needed some hope. And, you know, after I had all these surgeries and they saved my leg and I went to a doctor's appointment and and that this is when it really got tough. Not that 34 surgeries was easy. That was, it was hard, but the real journey of recovery began when I was diagnosed with a nerve disease called complex regional pain syndrome, which it's dubbed the high suicide disease because it's ranked highest on the pain scale. There's no known cure and it leaves you in constant chronic pain. And it's dubbed the suicide disease because it leaves people feeling hopeless. When you hear the words, no known cure, highest on the pain scale, then I had all these doctors saying, you're going to need to be on an antidepressant. You're going to be need to be medicated. We've got to really like go in hard and drug you up. And, you know, every doctor from my orthopedic to gynecologist to pulmonary doctor, everybody said, you need to be on antidepressants. This is bad. This is really bad. Friends were saying, oh my gosh, what are you going to do? How are you going to do this? You know, trainers that I worked with were like, well, what are you going to do? You can't train clients anymore. And I didn't need to hear any of that. I needed to hear some hope. And I needed to know that just with a little glimmer of hope, I was going to be able to get through it. And so I think that's part of being resilient is not getting stuck in the, oh, why me? Why is this happening to me? Absolutely. And it's, it's knowing that, you know what? It is time to sink or swim. And yeah. I'm, I'm going to swim. So in order to do that, what do I need to do? And start making an action plan and taking an action every single day to get towards your goal. And also, I think it's real important for me, a lesson I learned through all of this is there's a question I ask myself every day, all the time, whether it's getting through pain or whether it's sticking to a healthy program, what I'm eating, whether it's getting me closer to my dream, it's I always ask, how's that working for you? Like, how's that working for you? Is watching Netflix all day going to help you pass that exam? Right. You know, scrolling through Instagram and looking at supermodels helping you or is it harming you? Is that making you feel better about yourself? Is it motivating you or is it just making you feel like crap? You know, so it's that question. Is this hurting me or harming me? I had to do that in my recovery because I was doing things to numb out the pain. I was so busy, you know, cowgirl and being a cowgirl up, you know, and if you don't know what that means, it means basically pulling your bootstraps up, sucking it up and getting shit done. But Damn straight. That only works so long. 
and For sure. you can't keep cowgirling up. You have to, cause that to me, that definition of resilience was cowgirl up. And I ran from a lot of things. That's how I did it. But now I was stuck in a hospital bed and I was forced to look at my trauma from my childhood from divorce, from breakups, from failures, it was all in my face. And I think if we don't see trauma eye to eye, it will always catch up with us. And it's really letting it rise to the surface and doing what we can to heal from that trauma. It's you not know, easy, but it's possible. Yeah, but you're, you are 100% right. It, you know, when things happen to us as a kid, and I spoke about this, I, I started a recovery group inside of, actually inside of Soul Society. Um, and the guy, I, somebody came on. I actually knew the guy. Well, he came on. It was the first time I was doing the meeting, and I did it last night. And he said, is this a recovery meeting? And I was talking about, um, I was talking about trauma because recovery, you know, so I've been sober over 10 years. Well, Oh, congratulations. Thank you. So, I've been you know, almost four. So I knew you had to have been somewhere in that vicinity because of the one day at a time. It, oh, it's pretty commonality when you are, when you go to, you know, a 12 step meeting, which all of you that listen now know that I, I know I no longer do that, but that's beside the point. Um, you have to deal with your shit though, mm-hmm. or you're going to deal with it eventually, or it's going to hold you back your whole life. And one it of will these come days, up, it will come up in your relationships, in your career, in the way you view the world. It will come up as fear, as shame. And if we don't look at those things, it will stop us. Absolutely. Dead in our tracks. And we won't be able to continue to rise up. And And it is, it's taking a look at that trauma. And I look, I thought I had dealt with it. I thought that I had dealt with um, the sexual abuse from my stepfather as a child. I thought I had dealt with the abusive relationship that I was in so many other traumas. And I realized I had literally been running from them physically running. And that was, you know, I, that's how, that was the only tool I knew until I was stuck in a bed and I couldn't run anymore. And I thought I have got to figure out how I'm going to do this. Cause I was really at a point where I didn't want to continue living, but I was just too scared to die. And at that moment was when I realized, you know, I was going through all these treatments. We had a lien on our house because of medical bills. I lost my career. I was scarred up and my leg was deformed. I mean, scarred from the hip down. And that was my livelihood. Everything had changed. And at the same time, my little brother had just been sentenced to death row in Texas and my stepmother committed suicide. So our family was, it was the worst possible experience. I, you know, I couldn't, I mean, there were so many things going on and it was at that moment I thought I have a choice and we all have a choice. And once we realize we have a choice, we take our power back. Once we get out of that role of, um, 
why me? Cause when we're in that place of why me, it makes us feel discriminated against like, Oh, this happened to me. And it's so unfair, but guess what? We all go through shit. We all have adversity. We've all gone through challenges. And I know sometimes it looks like maybe people don't because if you scroll through Instagram, it's everybody's highlight reel and everything is shiny and glossy and glamorous, but in all actuality, it, it's not, we all go through, you know, adversity and challenges. And it took me years to come up with this, but I, we were talking about this a little bit before the interview that I, I do something I needed. I had to combine everything that I do to get through the day. Cause it's not like, Oh, I got through this horrible accident and this disease. This is something I use every single day because I'm still in pain every day and it's called pacer. And I share it with others because that word has changed my life. It stands for perspective, acceptance, community, endurance, and rest. And as long as I'm doing all of those things, it allows me to strengthen my resilience because resilience is, is about being able to show up and being able to get back up and being able to find joy despite our adversity and, and push through and get through and thrive. I was tired of just surviving. I wanted to thrive. And so if I'm not doing these things every day, if I'm not shifting my perspective, you know, acceptance is huge, as you know, um, and being in a 12 step, I had to, I was in denial. I did not want to take a look at this, that I was diagnosed with this disease. I didn't want anybody to know about it. I didn't want to, I was pretending that I wasn't sick. Um, the C is for community. And I think that might be the most important part of PACER because I could not do this without a supportive community. Sometimes, you know, it's been at my darkest times when I've been able to share what I was going through that's I've been able to move forward or my community spurs me along. I'm like, yeah, I need, I need a little spur action here. <laughs> and you know, then in- I'm glad that you said that I was talking to a friend yesterday and we were discuss- we were talking about the fact that people don't share about their darker times. And I'm, unfortunately I'm very, I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of mm-hmm. not sharing uh, my darker times because, I'm getting better at it. Mm-hmm. I really am getting better at it. But you know, those days for me, I, you know, those days I, I just, I have not, I just have not been able to come on and say, you know, I, you know, whatever is going on. I, I, to an extent, but, but not the really dark days, the really dark days. I just shut down and I don't yeah, have a it's lot kinda, of it. You know, that made me think of something when I was writing my book and I wrote about a lot of the dark days and the editor, I would write and then give parts of it to the editor editor. And he called me one day. He said, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. He goes, no, I really need to make sure you're okay. I'm coming over to your house to make sure you're okay. Because he had read what I had just written about and he came over, he said, okay, I just need to make sure I needed to see your face because, you know, we can compartmentalize things and we can kind of put a lid on it and let's put it over there. But sometimes things happen and we're triggered and we think, why, why is this triggering me? Why is this, why do I have all this fear right now? Why do I have this anxiety? 
And I think it's also important to remember that, you know, a lot of people talk about sharing. I think it's really important to share with people that you trust to share with, you know, a small community or in a private community, just because it can be brutal out there and you have to be really, you know, health in a healthy place in your recovery before you start getting people that will put in their, you know, two cents about things. Right. In other words, don't put all your shit online on Facebook, Mm -hmm. on Instagram. Don't, don't spew everything. Yeah. And if you are, you have to ask yourself, why are you doing it? Is it from a place of look at me, I'm a victim or is it a place from, I share from, I went through this and I got through it and you can too. You don't have to survive. You can thrive. You can yeah, get I agree. This, now I know? do share. That's interesting. You say that I do. I will talk about it after I come out of it, so to speak, you know, and because I think that is very important. Mm-hmm. I just don't do it while I'm in it. So when, so would you say that one of those dark times was laying on the floor that you were talking about when you used the word pacer or your friend reminded you. This episode of the successful life podcast is brought to you by house call pro. Whether you're looking to streamline your operations, reduce paperwork or boost revenue house call pro is your all in one business solution. Transform your business today with essential tools and support designed to drive efficiency and deliver exceptional customer service. To learn more, click the link in the show notes. Oh gosh, I've had so many times where I've struggled, but yeah, we were talking about just, you know, come like fear and anxiety. And I had been asked to do a TEDx talk and that was a dream of mine. It was a goal. And I really thought when I was asked, I thought I'd be like Tom Cruise jumping on the sofa. (laughs) That was not (laughs) at all. I was curled up in a ball on the sofa, like, oh my God, what am I going to say? And, you know, when you're asked to share the most important message or lesson of your life, it's like, no pressure. (laughs) And so, and do it in 14 minutes. So you have to be very precise, very like, here's my message and I'm going to fine tune it. So my audience can really get this message because that's how much I want them to, I want them to take this message and really be able to implement it into their life. And so, um, right before I was given my Ted talk, I was, you know, I I had been using Pacer for a while and I thought, well, I think I'll share that. That has changed my life. It allows me to get through my depression. It has helped me with my addiction, not just helping me push through the pain. It helps me pace through the pain. It doesn't get rid of all my pain. It helps me get through the pain. And I thought, well, that's what I'm going to share. So I've been practicing my talk and then my daughter gets sick. She's got the flu. Then I'm not feeling great. I have an infection. I'm in the ER they give me meds. I get home. I'm going upstairs to practice my talk and I'm going back downstairs to hold the throw up bucket for her. And I'm just freaked out. So anxious, like she's lost her voice. And I'm thinking, okay, I have to be in Berkeley to give this talk. If I get sick in three days, I won't have a voice. Like I'm thinking, Oh, what if, what if, what if, um, 
I lean over to hold the throw up bucket. I throw my back out. Oh, so I go upstairs. I'm laying in the middle of the bedroom floor and I'm thinking I've got an infection. My back is out. My daughter's sick. I may lose my voice. How am I going to stand on that TEDx stage? Everything's against me. And a friend texted me and she said, how are you doing? I said, I am not good. I am freaking out. And she texted me one word back and she texted me pacer. And I had shared that with her and I thought, oh yeah, I can use pacer. I shifted my perspective. I accepted what was going on. It put me in the moment. What can I do in this moment? I called a friend to talk to her. I was like, I'm going to have to get gritty to get through this. And I'm going to have to rest because R is for rest because we cannot be resilient without resting. And I'm telling you, I woke up the next day and I think it's because it helped my anxiety. My anxiety was gone. My back felt better. My daughter started feeling better. And I thought, oh, this is what I needed to allow me. It was like the universe was saying, we are going to throw it at you until you, we're going to make sure you believe in your message 100%. And that is what it took. And I was like, I believe in it. Yeah, this worked for me. It helped me get through my anxiety. It helps me every day. And so it's what I want to share with the world. I mean, I talk about it more in depth on my TED talk. If you just Google Amberly Lago TEDx, it comes up, but it, it was, such an experience. And I feel like sometimes things happen. We get messages, we go through things. And sometimes we think that, oh, this is hard. And that whole victim, why me? Why is this happening? But when we look at what we can learn from it, it shifts our perspective because we can always learn something out of every single failure, out of every mistake, out of every challenge we go through. There is a great lesson. Absolutely. And, you know, we go through, uh, you know, sometimes we go through unfortunate things, but in those unfortunate things, there's always a lesson and there's always, Mm -hmm. the universe is always trying to tell you something. It's just whether or not your eyes are open enough to see it. And whether or, <laughs> or your not, body is like listening because my body yeah. tries to tell me things all the time and it'll whisper and then I have to listen because it'll start screaming at me. And then I've pushed it and pushed it and pushed it to the point where it was almost to no return. I had an infection. I passed a kidney stone and I turned into an infection and I went septic. And that's when I got really scared because I thought, here I survived this horrible accident and I was pushing so hard that I almost killed myself. I was literally, the doctor came in and said, if you would have waited one more day to come into the hospital, you would have been dead. I was in ICU for three days. And after that is when I shifted everything and changed everything. And that's when I came up with pacer. Cause I was like, I'm not listening to my body. I am pushing through the pain. I'm not pacing through the pain. And of all people, you know, I mean, being, I was also a personal trainer for 10 years. So we have so much in common. We really do. It's ridiculous. We won't talk about the other thing we have in common, but um, (laughs) Jesus Christ. So weird. So (laughs) freaking weird. Um, 
So, yeah, so you do. You have to listen to your body. And, and fortunately, I don't know if everybody has the gift of knowing, uh, you know, how to listen to their body. But your body is the one that, that's going to tell you, you know, the reason people have pain is because that's your body saying there's something wrong. Uh-huh. You know? And so, but see, that was hard for me because growing up an athlete and a dancer. So as an athlete, I was taught, you know, keep going. You throwing up on the track, get off the track to throw up and just keep going. You better run harder as a dancer. Your toes are bleeding. Well, suck it up. Yeah. The show must go on. I don't care if your toes are bleeding, get back in your point shoes, stand on your toes. If you, one time I had been in another car accident, I had broken my leg, didn't know it was broken. Uh, you know, I come from a small little town. They didn't do an x-ray or look at the x-ray in the hospital until three days later, I was about to do a can-can and my doc, my uh, dance teacher was like, are you going to be able to perform or not? The recital is in three days and you, we need to know, or we need to have your understudy cover for you. And I was just like, no, I'm going to do this. And so I was going to dance on a broken leg. Thank goodness. They looked at the x-rays and my grandmother ran into the auditorium and was like, get off your leg. It's broken. I could have like jumped on it, but it was, you know, I was taught so much to push through, push through. And so this accident really, I had to learn to, instead of pushing through, really listen to my body and honor my body and learn to love myself and have some compassion. Um, And that's where the rest part of pacer, which is the hardest part for me, because for me, resting meant quitting, Yeah, but it doesn't mean quitting. It means that you're taking care of yourself, that you're, you know, finding time to rest when you have that never ending to do list, or you're figuring out ways to rest when you're in too much pain to go to sleep. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Rest is, is so key in how you rest and, the, you know, the fact that your room has to be, needs to be completely dark and like, you know, that there's a, a lot of around rest that's so important, mm-hmm. you know, that all our body repairs itself between 10 and two. Did you know that 10 PM and 2 AM? I didn't know, you know that? that for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even people that have like night shifts, like nurses that have night shifts. Yes, absolutely. But this is the thing. Night shift people, uh, whether it be a police officer or a nurse or a doctor or whatever, they they have, I want to say it's a 55% higher chance of heart attack. Wow. Because they don't get the right sleep ever. Wow. Yep. It's, well, it's really high. I have an alert on my phone that reminds me bedtime time to start getting ready for bed. My phone flashes a light and it reminds me and you know, I have like a whole morning ritual and a whole night ritual and I think it's important to set you up for your day and to set you up for a good night's sleep. So what do you do really quick for your morning ritual? I also do certain things. There's certain things I journal, I meditate and, and then I also read every morning. Or my day goes to shit if I don't. Oh, I do the same. (laughs) I wake up and 
as much as I want to wake up and grab my phone and check email or look on Instagram, I don't, I stop myself and I will not do that because it does not. It's like when you first wake up and you open your phone, it's like having a million people run into your bedroom and put your system on high alert. Like you're in being invaded. Yes. But when you start your day for me, I wake up, and um, I always make coffee and I listen to music. I have a friend who is, they have a whole neuroscience thing where they, you listen to music and it really does put a little spring into my step. So I just do that while I'm making coffee. But then the first thing I do is I think about what I'm grateful for and write in my journal. Cause that really, and then I set my intentions for the day. What are my intentions for the day? And I always do reading. I usually have two to three books. I don't, you know, I have actually this, my computer's set up on a stack of books that I'm reading right now. But in the morning, I usually read those at night. In the morning, I read um, like daily meditation books. Sure. Either from, I've got some spiritual books um, or a daily reflections book. Um, and then I, after a short meditation and I used the, um, app calm. I don't know if you've ever heard yeah, of that. I have, I was not good at meditating on my own, but I love the calm app because they have all different kinds. They've got a five minute meditation, a 30 minute meditation. And I mean, I'm not affiliated with them or anything. Sure. I just love the app and it makes it easier for me. So yeah, you're going really to like. tell. You'll have to send me the neuroscience music thing because that stuff like that intrigues the hell out of me. I mean, I love anything that has to do with the mind or neuroscience. Or I wonder actually uh, if it. If you look up advanced brain technologies, okay. Um, uh, it's it's a sound music to advance your brain for a better life. And it's called advanced brain technology. My friend Mandy and Alex Domain, um, I actually met them when I was speaking at a powerful you conference. Okay. And they were like, we'd really like for you to try this for your pain. And I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm like, I don't think this is going to help with my pain. This is a bunch <laughs> of snake oil. I don't believe yeah. it. I was like, okay, I'll try it. And I have to say it does not get rid of my pain. It helps me get through it. It really, you know, when I first wake up, I look like I'm walking like a hundred year old cowboy. I am like kind of hunched over limping along. And if I listen to the music, it's like it shifts my mind to something that's a little bit more upbeat or a little more relaxing. And they have all different kinds of systems for, you know, whether they use it for kids, a lot of kids with um, autism or Asperger's or a lot, you know, it's used for several different things, but I really was interested in it for pain. Super cool. I can't, I, I definitely want to check it out. Um, What was I going to ask? Okay. So your day to day, you wake up, you're, you, you feel like you got hit by a truck. It takes you a little bit to kind of get, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. acclimated. And then, yeah. and then you, uh, as far as like, you know, you getting around, uh, I assume you can walk around by yourself. Yeah, I can. It's just not real pretty in the morning. Okay. It takes me a while to get moving. So I get up, I have to leave the house at about seven. 
15, seven, seven, 15, um, to get my daughter to school. And I get up about four forty-five in order to do that. And I do that so I can get moving and walking and kind of get my body going. I do some stretching. So after my morning routine, I do maybe foam roll a little bit, move a little bit. And I, you know, I usually eat breakfast right now. It's a big thing where people are like, Oh, you need to fast. Oh, it's the keto diet. Oh, it's this and that. I really think it's important for people to do what feels right to their body because you know, we eat dinner early. We, you know, last night we were at dinner at five, we had dinner at five thirty. So by seven o'clock in the morning, I'm, I'm like, okay, it's been about 12 hours. I'm starving. I'm going to eat. I tried to push past that and not eat until like noon. And I was talking to clients like with half a brain, I was brain dead. I was like, I can't focus. We need food for energy, you know, and we need fat to fuel our brain actually. And so, um, I have a busy day with, you know, I used to have a busy day with clients and I shouldn't say busy. I don't like that word as much. I like productive. I have a productive day and, but my life is so interesting and, and full and I'm so grateful for it because I don't just train clients and I don't just coach clients. I get to talk to amazing people like you and I just appreciate you having me on your podcast so much. And then I get to travel and, you know, I'm doing a conference in Salt Lake City in about a week, week and a half. Yeah. Like, oh, I better get that together. Um, I'm, I'm doing a live event for Fab Fit Fun. I just did the doctors. I was on TV doing. Oh, I saw that. That's right. Oh yeah. my God. That was, um, they are so incredibly nice. They were amazing. And they and like did out. everything. They welcomed you like a princess, like a queen. Oh, it like, was that was unbelievable. so cool. Like uh, I, it, was yeah. blown away, blown away because I've done TV interviews. I've been on Hallmark and the today show, but they were like, let's do your makeup. Let's do your hair. I'm like, really? Oh my God. Thank you. That's They're like, so do you awesome. want, do you need something to wear? I'm like, well, I brought a dress, but <laughs> is it okay? Does this look okay? Right. They were so incredible. I mean, I just felt so blessed to get to be, on that show and share my message. And, you know, it's again, fear came up for me and I wasn't that nervous until I was in the dressing room and I had two different producers and they were like, okay, now we understand you have something called pacer. Could you give us one sentence for each thing? And then the next producer came in and said, okay, now tell us about this pacer thing. What's going on with pacer? And I was like, Oh my gosh, I started, my heart started pounding. I was like getting so nervous going, I got to talk about pacer. What if I don't have the right sentence? What, what are they going to ask me? Cause you never know what they're going to sure. usually on news. You don't know exactly what they're going to ask you or how it's going to go or where you're going to sit or what you're going to do. It's like, just keep your ears open and listen for what they're going to say. And so I got backstage. I was so nervous and I do push ups before every <laughs> event. And they always look at me like a crazy person. Cause there's like, Who's this girl all dolled up in a dress doing push-ups backstage? What the heck? <laughs> it helps me. And then I say a prayer and I try to stay in my heart. When I stay in my heart, 
I know I'll be okay. You I've got are God. so right. You are so right about that. So right. I know God's got me when I can stay in my heart. It's when I get in my own head, I'm like screwed. Dude, 100%. And that's why I came up with Pacer. So when I get in my head, I have that tool to go, okay, what are you going to do? Let's walk through this. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. That is fantastic. Amberly, this has been so cool. And I have truly loved this. I mean, not loved the fact that you went through what you did, but the fact that you're able to sit here, you may be in pain. I don't know it if you are. But you're sitting here alive, and from what I can tell at every picture I've seen, you your leg, I, I guess it looks a little abnormal, but we don't notice. I don't notice that. Oh, like, like, it's just you. not. I mean, you've, you have overcome so much, Thanks. and you would be doing a disservice to the world by not sharing your story with people and oh. not sharing your pacer example. And so I'm so glad that you are sharing it because it's very, very important. Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, I, even when I wrote my book, I thought if I can just touch one person and if I can give them hope, the hope that was given to me, then this book is worth it. And it took me a year. It took me two years to write my book. Um, you know, some people say, oh, I just whipped this book out. I'm like, really? Because I, w- well, I was still in between surgeries and stuff when I started it. And the messages that I've received, just it just touches my heart. That's been the best part of this journey is really just being able to connect and build this community of people that we know we've got each other's back. And even though some people, you know, we might be in pain, but we get through it because we know we're doing it together. And so I'm just, I'm honored to be here and be on your show and and share a little bit. So thank you so much. Fantastic. This has been wonderful. And you know what? I know you're going to have a magnificent day because you deserve it. Oh, I love that. You too, Corey. Thank you. You are so welcome. And if you need anything from me ever, by all means, you know how to get a hold of me. And thank you again for coming on. You are a delight. Thank you. Thank you. I just wanted to tell people, please oh, reach out to me. If and they where want... can they find you? I'm so sorry. No, no, that's okay. I just want people, especially if they're going through something hard to know that they can reach out because I do answer every email. I do answer every DM. Um, so you can find me at amberlylago.com. That's where you can get, you can even get like a free gratitude journal there, a downloadable journal. You can find my book. Um, and you can also visit me at Amberly Lago Motivation and you can find links in my bio there if you want to see my TEDx talk or sign up for my um, unstoppable life master course. You can find all of that there. So yeah. And when is that? Is that now has that been released yet? No, it's launching, launching next month. There we go. Do we have a day? Uh, sometime after February 9th. Okay. Yeah. I've got like big events all the way up until the ninth. And this course isn't some pre-recorded watch these videos. It is me and you, you know, I'm on a webinar and we're doing, um, a, I'm doing, uh, you know, sharing for an hour and then doing Q and a. So 
I have, and that's when I'll be available. So I wanted to make sure I launch it when I am completely laser focused on being in the group. And it's something I've been working on for about a year. (laughs) I've been working on this course and I just really, it's, you know, it's taken a while. I've put a lot of thought and I really set my intentions on exactly what has gotten me through some of the hardest times of my life and allowed me to persevere. And so this course is about teaching others to strengthen their resilience and transform their lives. And so it's three, it's 12 weeks. And I've had people go 12 weeks. That's so long. And I said, you know what? It takes about a month to change a habit. That's right. It takes about a couple of months to really start to see some results. And it takes three months to transform your life and it's possible. So I want to three months to transform mind, body, and spirit people's lives because I know it's possible. Well, yeah, it took a hell of a lot longer than three months to get your life the way it is to need a course. Oh, gosh, yeah. Right? I mean, you didn't get the way you are in 90 days. Oh, but it took me years to figure out exactly... What it took me years to learn, I am giving in this three-month course. So you don't have to hit rock bottom. You don't have to keep digging down to the bottom. You can stop. You can start to rise now. That's right. You just have to take action, go by the course. And the course, they can go to your website and find it there, of course. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. I look forward to it. Thank All right, you. Amberly, Thanks, Corey. Have a magnificent day. Thank you. You too. Thank you All so right. much. Yeah. Uh-huh. Bye bye. If you took anything away from this podcast, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and go check out some other episodes on SuccessfulLifePodcast.com. This is the Successful Life. Thank you for tuning into the Successful Life Podcast. We hope today's insights have ignited your passion and provided tools to shape your leadership journey. Remember, greatness is a journey, not a destination. Continue your pursuit by exploring more resources and insights over at coreybarrier.com. Until next time, keep leading, keep learning, and keep striving for excellence. Stay inspired and see you on the next episode.